and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I'm Ted Flint. On the BMG Network, well, more classified documents have turned up at President Biden's home. Federal investigators found and seized more classified materials during a search of the president's Delaware home, some dating back to his years in the Senate. I'm reading now from the New York Post column, which was uh, Sunday. Bob Bauer, the president's newly acquired personal lawyer, said the Justice Department took six documents marked classified in some of Biden's notes during a Friday search that lasted 13 hours. The department took possession of materials it deemed within the scope of its inquiry, including six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which were from the president's service in the Senate and some were from his tenure as vice president. That's according to the uh, president's attorney. Biden knew the department was coming to search his home, according to his lawyer, but neither the president nor the first lady was present during the probe. I mean, I mean, this is pretty damning evidence. And to, to, to say that or to think that Biden didn't know about these classified documents, either he's the dumbest person who's ever lived, which is a possibility, or he just is as crooked as a person as we've ever had in the Oval Office, which is probably the case as well. According to a poll, nearly two-thirds of respondents to an IPSIS poll said President Biden mishandled classified documents upon exiting his term as VP. The poll was published on Sunday. It found 64% of respondents believed Biden's handling of classified docs after his term as vice president was wrong. The poll also found 77% believe former President Trump mishandled classified documents upon leaving his term. Additionally, when asked whose handling of classified records was a more serious offense, 43% chose Trump, 20% selected Biden. That shows you how stupid people are, or how ill-informed, I should say, they are. And it shows you the media's complicity in this, uh, what was a failed cover-up. The Justice Department knew about this on November 2nd, but they covered it up until after the midterms. I mean, these probably won't be the last of the documents to turn up. I don't think they'll, I mean, they're going to find more. And they're still waiting for, I'm still waiting for Scott Pelley to do a follow-up interview with Biden. In their first sit-down, as you recall on CBS, I think it was 60 Minutes, Biden was incredulous about how Trump could have so carelessly mishandled documents. And, you know, Pelley led him into it, a big softball question for Biden to hit out of the park, and he did. I wonder if Pelley's going to have a return interview saying, Mr. President, what's what's going on here? You took President Trump to task for mishandling classified documents. What about what you're doing or what you did and probably continue to do? Who knows? But the FBI raided Trump's home, his wife's personal belongings, his son's room, his son Barron. His room was raided. Yet the FBI hasn't raided Hunter Biden's bedroom or bedrooms, to my knowledge. They had to be forced to check Hunter's laptop, which contains sensitive material. I mean, you know, a totally two-tiered justice system when it comes to Trump and Biden. We see how the FBI and the DOJ operated under Trump. They're still after him. Talk about, this. it's like an episode of 24, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Rent it, or you see it on Netflix, you can get all nine seasons. Tremendous. Kiefer Sutherland is Jack Bauer. I love 24, because so much of what happened during those years is happening now with our government. Biden is like, he's like a real life Charles Logan, who was a, a corrupt president in seasons four and five. It's unbelievable. But you know, our problem, 
I was thinking about this. I was reading something earlier today at work. Our problem isn't Joe Biden, or it's not Barack Obama, or it's not AOC or Bernie Sanders. They're a symptom of what is ailing America. We've lost our way, folks. I mean, it's obvious. We've lost our way. We're adrift. And I think we need to return to God. Now, I'm a Christian. This is a a Christian program. You know, sometimes I get far afield, but I think we're in some trouble here. Churches in this country are closing at such a pace you would not believe it. Congregations are dwindling across the country, and a younger generation of Americans has abandoned Christianity altogether. Now, faith continues, at least on the surface, to dominate American politics, but most young people under 30, under 40, don't attend regular church services. We are increasingly a non-religious population. Now, a lot of liberals love that. Most liberals don't go to church. They don't observe. Their, their God is the environment, is Mother Earth. Their religion is extreme environmentalism. That's one of them. Thousands of churches are closing every year in this country. And now since COVID-19, a lot of researchers, a lot of experts, so-called experts, believe the situation to become even worse. About 4,500 Protestant churches closed in 2019. You know, COVID had a lot to do with that. That's the last year data was is available. About 3,000 new churches opened. That's according to LifeWay Research. It was the first time the number of churches in this country had not grown since the evangelical firm started studying the topic. And, you know, the closures, even for a temporary period of time, affected a lot of churches. According to a LifeWay Research spokesman, people breaking the habit of attending church means a lot of churches had to work hard to get people back into the pews. And it's been an uphill battle. But that's the, you know, you know, one of the great verses in the Bible, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It kind of sums up today's America. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That goes for all of us. Me too. We all sin. We all backslide. We all go our separate ways. If we turn back to God as individuals and certainly as a nation, God will hear from us and we will see and experience his power. He will heal our land. That's the only way our our land will be healed. It's not going to be if we elect a Republican president, whether it's Donald Trump or Rick DeSantis or whomever. It's not about that. We're in trouble. So much crime is rampant. Democrats control many of our major cities. They're destroying our cities, and they're destroying many of our states. And I think it's by design. Now, I'll give you an example. I could read just from the New York Post the the police blotto, and and I could fill us 10 shows every day. People getting attacked on the subways. This uh, Fox News meteorologist, Adam Klotz, was attacked early Sunday morning, a group of seven or eight teens, teens in parentheses. He called them kids. In the report I read in uh, World Net Daily, it was a New York City subway ride. Had bruised ribs, black eyes, cuts across his face. I've seen the pictures online. He he got beat up pretty badly. Klotz has been uh, with the network for five years, five years plus. He posted two videos to his Instagram account, Sunday, detailing the altercation and aftermath. I guess he these kids were picking on an older gentleman, and he said, hey, look, knock it off. He intervened, and then they turned on him. 
and they beat the living stuffing out of the out of the guy. This clots. He called them kids. There were I, and no. There's no word on on the race of the attackers. Never is. It was New York City subway. You know, to call them kids, I guess a couple of them were 13, 14. One guy was 17. He got away. They got a couple of the younger. I guess they got three of them. And they couldn't post their names, obviously, because they're underage. But, I mean, this is insane. He told the, he told the kids, hey, look, cut that out. And then one of the kids said, all right, he's not going to get it. You're, you're going to get it. And they gave it to him. And uh, anyway, Klotz, a, F- a Fox News meteorologist. That's, what, that's the situation in New York City and many cities around the country. You're not safe. And you know something? If you're not safe, if you don't feel safe and secure, whether in your home or in your, your community, uh, you're going to have problems. And we need to make the streets safer. Rudy Giuliani, I, I hear him frequently. He has his own radio show on WABC, uh, 7.70 a.m., and he's on between 3 and 4. He's great. Rudy's great. He talks about his time as mayor, what he would do if he were still mayor, and he got that city cleaned up. There were, you know, guys urinating on the streets and just... So Giuliani, he uh, he got tough on crime. He was aggressive. And he went after the lower level crimes. They, I guess they call those crimes broken windows, the broken windows approach to law enforcement. Take care of the smaller crimes and you'll have fewer of the, the bigger crimes. And in that philosophy worked in New York City. That's what New York City and that's what many cities across the country need again. They need a tough mayor... Certainly in New York City and a lot of cities around the country. Tough mayors who are conservative, who will keep criminals in prison. These people get out. The, the two kids who, two of the kids who attacked this uh, Fox News weatherman, they're right back out on the streets. They know they're not going to get punished. It's, it's, it's just crazy. All right, one more story here, and we've got to run. There's a report on uh, Newsmax, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. By the way, DeSantis... Uh, leads Trump in some polls in the race for uh, the Republican nomination. Of course, he's not even announced. But there's a poll, a couple of polls. And I'm not big on polls, but there was one in the New York Post that shows President Biden would lose to either of the top Republican rivals. Both former President Trump and Florida Governor DeSantis would beat Biden if the 24 presidential election were held today, according to the Harvard Caps-Harris poll. Nearly two-thirds of those polls, 65% said Biden should not run at all. He shouldn't have run in in 2020. But anyway, the uh, online survey of over 2,000 registered voters found 46% would support Trump in a rematch uh, with Biden. 41% favored Biden. DeSantis would beat Biden 42 to 39%. And speaking of DeSantis, I mean, it's a long way off. Two years is a long time in politics. DeSantis intends to unveil a, a series of measures in the state's uh, next legislative session, which I guess isn't until April. And it's designed to bolster the residents' protections from COVID-19, not from from the disease or the virus, but from the mandates that these leftists, and they won't quit. They're in every legislature, and they're in the Florida legislature. But fortunately for Floridians, they are outnumbered by conservatives. DeSantis teased his proposals to the Florida legislature during a recent appearance on Fox News it used to be a textbook pandemic preparedness that should keep things going, DeSantis told it, the unfiltered program with Dan Bongino. That's what really we tried to do in Florida. Having kids in school was really important. But then what we did, I think I think we did better than anyone else, is that we protected our citizens against this vax being used as a weapon. And he, he talked about his success 
in fighting COVID-19 and fighting the mandates that were sweeping around the country. He said, we banned vaccine passports almost two years ago. And I think the powers that be from Biden on down wanted to marginalize people from society if you didn't take this, the vaccines he meant. They wanted to deny you the ability to earn a living if you didn't take it. And they wanted kids to not even be able to go to school if they didn't take it. And that's how Democrats here in New York State are. I had to take the vaccine. I had to get my uh, two shots of the Pfizer or else I couldn't work. I wouldn't be able to come to the uh, legislature. That's not going to happen in Florida. You know, DeSantis said, look, we protected Floridians across the board, their jobs, their education, and their ability to participate in society. And we believe in freedom. That's what he said. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So for this coming legislative session, we're going to make all those protections permanent. You can't ban people from working because they didn't get their shots. You can't keep kids out of school for not getting the vaccine. We're going to protect people. We're going to make the protections permanent. And that's why people, more people are going to Florida than in any other state. And a lot of them are coming from New York State, going to Florida. It makes sense. Why wouldn't you? Anyway, we've got to run. By the way, before I leave, uh, you know, great weekend of football this past weekend. The the Eagles eliminated the Giants in a big way, 38-7. Eagles playing the uh, 49ers for the NFC title game this weekend. And uh, in the AFC, I mean, Cincinnati looks really tough. I was rooting for Buffalo. But what Cincinnati did to Buffalo in Buffalo, 27-10, they looked invincible. And they've beaten the Chiefs the last three times. They have the Chiefs number. So Cincinnati is going to be a tough, I hate this, I'm not a big Cincinnati fan, but Joe Burrow, is he's a young Joe Montana. So Cincinnati and Kansas City in the AFC championship game, San Francisco and Philly in the NFC, it's going to be a great weekend of football. By the way, this is, if you're a boxing fan as I am, my favorite boxer of all time is Joe Frazier. I mean, I loved Joe Frazier. 50 years ago this week, he lost his heavyweight title to Big George Foreman in Kingston, Jamaica. I think it was January, I went either 22nd or the 26th, 1973. And, you know, I was reading some years later that before the fight, I think it was Yank Durham, who was Frazier's manager, uh, and Eddie Futch was his trainer. They did not want Frazier to fight Foreman. They knew Foreman was on the horizon. He was knocking everybody out, and and he was next in line. And, and uh, especially Yank Durham, he didn't like the matchup, the size difference. I mean, Foreman's big. Frazier was listed at 5'11". I think he was shorter. Uh, he didn't like the, the – the, it was a bad matchup for Frazier, and it turned out to be a bad matchup. He was knocked down six times in less than two rounds. And uh, anyway, I, I, it was just a crushing defeat. And, and to hear Marvis Frazier tell the story of how he had to watch his father lose for the first time ever, it was, uh, it was heartbreaking. Anyway, George Foreman went on to be a champion for about a year and a half, and Ali took it from him, and Frazier – uh, fought Ali twice more, and it, not, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good ending for Frazier. He should have probably quit after that Foreman fight, but he went on to fight Joe Bugner, and he barely won that fight. And, and Bugner, I, I think, put him down or almost put him down in their battle in London. Anyway, I'm running off at the mouth here. Thank you very much for tuning us in. But again, 50 years. I can't believe, if you want to go to YouTube and see the Frazier, first Frazier-Foreman fight, they fought a second time. Frazier made it into the fifth round, the second fight, and had the same result. He got knocked out. But Howard Cosell's call of that fight, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. It was just one of the great uh, fight calls of all time. It was epic. Anyway, I've got to run. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. 
And uh, check out our fine uh, podcasters we have for you on the BMG Network. Uh, there's some really fine, talented people up there. My daughter is among them. I got I to gotta tout my, my daughter Madeline's show, The Essentials, with Maddie Flint. Adrian Ross has a show up there. We have a, a new program, relatively new, called The Age Sage. And this program, which airs Wednesdays and sometimes on the weekends, we hope to do it at least once a week. And I'll try to get a second show to you this weekend between the football games. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a challenge. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Again, thanks for tuning us in, and if the Lord wills it, we'll talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. Thank you.